Welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ed Greer. And I am producer Bill. And today, we're celebrating the new year with a trip to the past. One of our favorite topics, uh, things that not just the two of us, but we hope all of our listeners hold near and dear to their hearts. And that is classic, awesome cartoons. And in this case, that haven't yet been rebooted. Because so many have, um, some successfully, some not. But we wanted to just talk about some great properties lost to time that are due to make a comeback in a big way. Um, One of the things we were talking about off air was uh, the fact that despite being one of the most simplistic and also frequently milked franchises, Godzilla is back in a huge way with Godzilla minus one and a new Godzilla Kong team up coming up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if that's a franchise that you could just keep having success with, to me, any great sci-fi concept should be able to exist in today's world. So maybe that's going to be a little bit of what we're talking about too. Yeah. And, um, and it started from us like looking at certain like old stuff that has technically been rebooted, but it's just like, how would we even approach rebooting it? Like old, old ass shit, like Tarzan and, and uh, the Phantom, both of whom have had oh, yeah. probably a billion cartoons, both candidates for old rebooted episodes back when we were uh, in the throes of doing reboot it. And ones that we always avoided because it was just like, this is problematic. This is lame as shit. Like what, <laughs> what can we do with this? So, you know, yeah, fucking uh, like, what's up with Africa and a continuous series of white saviors? You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, dude, there's well. the Phantom is never, and maybe besides like one book they they published in the black exploitation 70s, you know, with the Phantom as a black dude sitting in the Huey P. Newton chair with the spear in one hand and a big booty in the other one, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, or a shield, you know, big Zulu shield or something. Like, yeah. what's up with that? It's so funny to me because, like, it seems like. In the separate but equal times, and I'm not trying to get too serious, but in the separate but equal times, I would have loved to sell black people their own hero out of Africa and make that money. I, I would yeah. be, if I was any color businessman, I would love to have seized on that. You know what I'm saying? It's it's so weird. I like it's almost it's almost like those are characters from an era when Africa might as well have been another planet. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's like yeah. The, these guys, and this, by the way, the same thing with like the secrets of the Orient, which was the whole, uh, that was the shadows bag is like, mm-hmm. he went and he learned how to cloud men's minds in the dark jungles of the Orient. And it's like, people just had these fucking notions of like, well, things don't work over there. Like they do here in our civilized world. Like, it's just, it's kind of crazy, dude. Yeah. And the, and the crazy part is like, it seems both like necessary and intelligent and also low-key racist given their origins to be like the dopest tarzan reboot would just be a kid in a colony ship that crashes and everybody dies and he's by himself on an alien world and it's got like big giant saurians uh ape creatures uh fucking octopi it's like landing on king kong's island or something well, we have the Avatar movies, so yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's like he gets up there as like a grown ass person, then gets a fucking super body, and then they have that little kid that's like Tarzan, but he sucks. He he does. Yeah. He's not like super fresh. Like the whole point of Tarzan from Edgar Rice Burroughs' perspective was, if you put a white man in the worst problematic situation. 
the whiteness will just kick in, you know what I'm saying? Like in his cells and just redouble his muscle mass and his, and he'll learn all the languages and beat up all the animals and master everything to the point where some of the, uh, I, I saw a Neil Adams cover of a Tarzan book. Tarzan is rushing at some poachers and like leopards and monkeys and macaws and shit are following Tarzan towards the enemy. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. This is yeah. insane. You know what I mean? I think I think something about Tarzan though, out of those problematic like early 20th century heroes, he I've always felt like Tarzan is somewhat the least problematic and and this is also part of my ignorance of Tarzan maybe, but just because like him being white, yes, was a conscious choice, but doesn't it's not like He's a white man who, you know, becomes the savior of Africa. And now it's like the, the local tribesmen worship him as a god or something, which is literally like the story of the phantom. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if we're doing apples to apples, which one is a little bit more problematic? I uh, The thing is, uh, Edgar, but Edgar Rice Burroughs' time, like Tar- yeah. he'd have Tarzan say shit like, I'm the slayer of many such and such as, and many black men. And that was like yeah. his way of introducing himself to people. Like, I think he introduced himself to Jane that way. He was like, yo, bitch, look at my resume. I done shot all the ops. You know what I'm saying? I've stabbed him up sw- with my boy. Knife. She swooned. That was how he got her. <laughs> how many of them did you kill? Right oh, do tell. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny. Like, Jane is always just like a scientific anthropologist. What if she's just a, like a southern racist lady? owner's daughter like you killed how many of goddamn boy you you a hot piece look at them abs <laughs> i could wash some clothes on them abs <laughs> that's the that is the way to do a tarzan reboot is just go full mel brooks with it and it's just racist caricatures through the whole movie it's like a I tarzan got, as blazing saddles 100 <laughs> percent, dude <laughs> oh shit oh but yeah, like that, if, yeah. if if I had, that's one of the ones like Tarzan and the Phantom are the two where if you just, you have my wife and daughter in an undisclosed location on camera holding today's yeah. paper and there's laser sights on their head and they tell me to reboot the Phantom or Tarzan. I'm like, I loved you and it won't be hard. It won't be easy to replace you guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Look, you know. The Disney Tarzan, the Disney animated Tarzan Mm -hmm. is about as good as it gets for me when it comes to like, all right, let's try to modernize this thing. Because first of all, making, turning him essentially into jungle Spider-Man is cool as shit. Sick. Number two, the fact that that movie doesn't, it it sidesteps the cologne. Well, it doesn't even sidestep the colonialism, but like, it turns the white colonialists into the villains as well. So it's not just like, I, Lord Blackstone, claim this land for England. You know, it's it's more just like, no, he is a, a savage man and he's as scared of, you know, these colonial people as anybody in the jungle would be. Aside, like I said, aside from just leaning into a lot of the tropes and turning it into a comedy, you know, visually that Disney movie kicks ass. And, I, you know, I, I don't know what else you do with that character. Yeah, man. Uh, like I said, man, do you do you, you uh, one thing I was also thinking of is all the savage characters that they've tried to put in the future. 
Mm. The one savage character that makes total sense in the future, and they've done it several times to great aplomb, is Conan. Harkening back uh, to the fucking uh, Oliver Stone and Al- the Oliver Stone um, uh, first draft of Conan took place in a post-apocalyptic world where most of the monsters were mutants from an age ages old apocalypse that happened from mutagenic, uh, sure. uh, you know, uh, anthrax slash nuclear war slash climate change just made all these crab people and fuckers, you know what I'm saying, for him to have to cleave his way through. And it was sort of a Mad Max starring Conan. And I always thought that that could be a nice way to go with Conan. Like as far as like, just a man, Arnold Schwarzenegger is too old to do Conan the King Conan as a thing that we rebooted with Jason Momoa, a person who stars in billion dollar movies and billion dollar flops. Uh, This guy was supposedly perfect and just didn't do it. And looking at like Alan Richson from Reacher as Conan, it's like, give me a break, dude. Like honestly, give me a break for real. Give me a break. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I, I feel like that Conan is one of those characters that as soon as you have a beefcake who has proven popular, people are like, Conan, let's make him Conan. Let's get a Conan movie going. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like Conan, Hercules. Um, you know, there's just like that coterie of characters that's like, oh, you, we got a big beefy dude. Like, we got to make a new version of this movie. Um, I, You know, speaking, though, of like translating conan making a conan animated series in the style of like gendy tartakovsky's primal um that caveman series like i mean imagine that shit and just playing it straight like writing it you know in the classic robert e howard format of like he's just this strongman drifter in like a world of dragons and monsters and, you know, trying to reclaim his rightful throne and seek vengeance. Like, I I think that would actually be a a really kick-ass animated project and would sidestep that thing that we're talking about of like, Mm -hmm. every time you have a meathead, like, let's just try to make him Conan. That could be dope. Yeah. You get the Kevin Conroy of our day, to just right. sort of fucking uh, do this monosyllabic guy and his dope ass ultra visual a- adventures that have sick ass, like, you know, somebody on the fucking ones and twos doing the fucking voiceover, like in the days of the ancient Sumerians, when the waters drank Atlantis, that type of shit. And it's like, that's yeah. how it starts. And, it, and the basil Peladuras music kicks in. And then just like uh, yes. all all the different, um, and I'm not I'm not usually one to do that shit. Like when like the fact that da, 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 is Superman for fucking ever. Like right. Loki bothers me. Like I I don't I hate when people go like and that just means X Men. But fuck man, the Basil Paladuras music makes a certain aspect of Conan. It would be very instantly both nostalgic and if people never heard that music before, it sounds like Conan's music. It's a beautiful fusion. No, it's, it's one of those iconic scores that is such a great match for the character. And I think that the, the difference between Conan and, you know, Superman with the John Williams March is like, you have those Conan films from the eighties and it's not like people have been trying to, you know, to make fetch happen by just reusing that music over and over again. (laughs) So it would it would it would be a fitting tribute, especially if you're you're completely switching over into like an animation um, genre. I think that I think that would work beautifully. I'm also imagining like a like a Kevin Michael Richardson voiced Conan. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. like just get, you're talking about like getting one of the like a, a just a really talented voice actor, like mm-hmm. get somebody with that that just like deep, you know, you can't get more gravelly and deep than this guy. Like that shit would be and and you know, really make him a man a few words, monosyllabic. You know, he barely talks except when he tells you that he wants to hear the lamentations of your women. Like dude, that, dude and, and dude, on. that would be the ultimate fuck the you know fuck the anti-wokers if like kevin michael richardson or keith david was doing conan's voice yeah. like, what the fuck <laughs> like hey man it's just hey they got the best gravelly voices in the game baby 100 you know? yes and the great and the best voice talent you know what i mean uh but i i would love to see that because uh personally out of all these things we're looking at at trying to do like putting cartoons and ancient you know um properties into modern like a movie let's say or even a any sort of modern incarnation of all of these conan like is the one that seems like it should be more animated like the story it's based on short stories that those are like perfect for episodes and like a long novel would be a multi-part arc you know what i'm saying and the anthology nature of any conan product conan is so dope because anywhere you go in his life he was either the shit or, or on his way to be in the shit so, like, if you do a uh, thing about him being a cub, you do a thing about him being a king next episode. You do a thing about him being in the middle age and being like, it's seeing if he still has it. You, there's so many different places in Conan's life that you could go. I mean, I think one of the great things about Conan as a, as a story archetype is it sort of functions like, like a 70s TV show where mm-hmm. – your setting and your side characters change every single episode. And it's mm-hmm. just your main character that stays the same. And I feel like, number one, you're definitely not going to get that feel in a movie. Like, you just have to create some sort of epic hero's journey. And, and number two, if you try to do that on live-action television, mm-hmm. it becomes way too expensive while also achieving the kind of Game of Thrones, dragons, monsters, uh, you know, Witcher-style um, world, which just from me conjuring those comparisons has already kind of been done. So it's mm-hmm. like, do it in animation where you you can break the budget every episode as far as settings and 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 characters, and and just have him hopping all around this world, getting into different adventures in the swamps, in the jungles, in the mountains, in the Arctic. You know, that's that's the way to do Conan. Yeah, and last things last, his the variety of adventures that Conan gets in is even greater than somebody like Tarzan. Tarzan's always like he's always in Africa or always in England thinking about Africa, like wistfully looking out the windows. Oh, there's no macaws chittering in the distance. This place sucks. I hate chimneys or whatever the whatever the fuck he's thinking. Dude, didn't they do a Tarzan TV series that was like that was basically that? (laughs) like it was called it was called graystoke because like that was his that's his his last name well yeah yeah, that was uh there was a i think that was the that they call yeah the 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 legend of graystoke was the fucking member uh the guy from goddamn highlander uh christopher lambert christopher lambert played uh tarzan and it was called uh lord grayscoke or legend of grayscoke or something and he was like a tarzan that had gotten out of africa but he like wistfully thought about africa so he ends up in this adventure going back it's just like oh man i gotta get get back in the shit man fuck shoes (laughs) (laughs) whatever 100 i know so that's a movie from the 80s but i want to say there was 
at least maybe a pilot on the CW. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was some sort of... Uh, and they had a Casper Van Dien, I think, uh, Tarzan show, too. Okay. Or maybe that okay. might even be the one. I don't know. But yeah, Tarzan has been done. They tried to do it. Tarzan in the city, Tarzan in the past, Tarzan everywhere but the future, I think. Uh, yeah. They've, they've tried. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it, it just... Yeah, I think that's the one, dude. Because like, even if the Phantom was more like... Even the Phantom, I think the Phantom could work even better as like a dude. Uh, here's the pitch: If Gundam, I'm trying to save my wife here, Bill. So if this sucks, uh, no, I'm, I'm waiting. Trying for to save my wife. I've okay. got the sights on her. the The, the scope is is lit. Oh no! <laughs> Bye, baby. If this doesn't work, but okay, <laughs> under duress, I would say the Phantom is the one that needs to be sort of a future thing. And follow me now. The Phantom mm. is. Uh, one of those guys uh, who's dropped off and maybe he has to protect the people from a life ship or something. But the bottom line is it's totally foreign territory. And because of the creative way he uses the stuff that's on the ships as weaponry, maybe there's no weaponry on the ship, but he devises a way to make several weapons out of like microwaves and fucking fucking fire extinguishers and shit with that type Uh of shit on the thing. He makes these weapons and perpetrates this like larger than life myth against the like people of that world to where the humans have a chance to like survive and thrive. Like the phantom will come and fuck your ass up. This, this ghostly champion who never dies. And, you know, he creates this legend in order to like make his people be able to survive or, or, you know, if we don't have people, you know, uh, (laughs) him be able to survive on the world. Like he adopts a superheroic persona to survive because he has to put the fear of God in these fuckers. I mean, I feel like that is a is a just a formula that always works where it's like things are so shitty and I can't just be out there on the front lines, you know, with my own name and face because people don't people don't people won't respect it. But mm-hmm. like if I can become more than just a man, you know, in the Batman exact mundo. Yeah, yeah dude. Like a lot of you do if I can uh, Batman, the shadow, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these well, guys. I also think that that it's funny because you may not be aware of this. I think you were you were maybe a little bit older when it happened, but there was a cartoon in the 90s called Phantom 2040. And it was I mean, mm. I don't know how close it is to to your pitch about, you know, turning I think I think it was literally just because the Phantom, you know, the the whole thing of it is that it's this um lineage that gets passed down. So yeah. it's literally just the 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 20 whatever phantom in the year 2040 just fighting a futuristic war but yeah i mean to to your point the idea of like transporting him to the future has been done well yeah and the and the crazy part is also like uh last things that this transport the future jazz dude i remember as a kid you remember um jonah hex right oh yeah for a while, uh, as you may recall, Jonah Hex got thrown into the future in a book called Just Hex. And it was drawn oh. by Mark Teixeira. And I think it might have been uh, written by Ostrander or somebody. But it was like sure. the adventures of this fucking Confederate deserter in the <laughs> far-flung future, like flying cars, laser gun future. And I always thought that was sick, like not him being the fucking dirty Confederate. But, but the whole thing of man at a time. 
and just even if he let's say he is a confederate he's in the wokest future possible there's like mm. octopi fucking senators on tv or something there's uh-huh. like all this crazy shit in the future just to go from the antebellum south to the far-flung future and have to keep all your marbles and keep keep it in mind you know what i'm saying uh i just think that that would be it was an okay comic and I think if you wanted to lose some money, you could do it as a futuristic movie. It is not a great idea, but for some reason, I would love to see it. Like somebody from, because uh, I that's the thing about a lot of the Edgar Rice Burroughs shit, the John Carter from Mars, Confederate soldier or whatever, yep. gets transported to this far-flung world. And all your old morals and even all your old physical prowess goes out the window and you have to adapt to this new environment. That that was his jam. Like he was like Michael Crichton. Like Michael Crichton sold like two or three things that were about a haunted amusement park. You know what I'm saying? Jurassic Park. There's going to be a place where the amusements will fuck you up. Give me $40 million, please. (laughs) You know? And people did in his case. So that's great. Yeah, fuck yeah. So like sometimes yeah. it takes one good idea. Man put in a far flung place that is like unto magic. How does he survive? What adaptations does he make to survive? Mm. Speaking of future shit, I told you a while ago about this cartoon. I think this would make a great play it straight, let's lose two hundred million dollars movie. Okay. And it is Brave Star. Now I told you oh, just for, for the people who don't know. Brave Star is literally about a Native American sheriff on the planet of New Texas. It's like a settlement out there, and there's claim jumpers and mutants in the fucking uh, deserts and shit, and there's weird freako outlaws in the cities or the towns. And it's basically he is the marshal for like the whole planet, I think. And him and his horse, 3030, who is a cybernetic organism that talks, roll, <laughs> roll around the plains, and his powers are – from some ancient Native American process that lasted into the future, he's able to say strength of the bear and be as strong as a bear, speed of the puma and be as fast as a puma, uh, eyes of the hawk and be able to see real far. He's got these basic like animal spirit, not my words, abilities uh, that he could connect to. We zhuzh that a little bit, make it more cool, tie it to some real Native American, like some something, you know, make it better, hire some fucking consultants so it's not insulting. A yeah. real Native American human being as the lead of a big budget ass movie, and even yeah. big budget like eighty million dollars, like that's sixty five. That movie sixty five, something <laughs> about that budget level. I was even going to say uh, the Predator movie Prey. That, yeah. that the Predator movie yeah. that came out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I do think that that particular brand of anachronism, where it's like you take a tribal person you know, with the rituals and customs and prowess that, that comes along with that, especially, mm-hmm. you know, from antiquity mm-hmm. and put it up against modernity. I think, yeah. I think there's something about that that just kind of always works. And especially for kids too, that idea of like, all right, I'm not going to have ray guns and flying cars, but I can go out and, you know, swing from the trees and shoot a bow and arrow and, and all that shit. And like, if you make that person the superior force in a battle, like that gets people fired up. Oh, yeah, dude. Because we all like uh, well, Sh- Star Wars said that they were the Viet Cong. Sorry to spoil it for the right wingers, but the <laughs> re- they're they're fucking like low key terrorists you know (laughs) you know uh they're doing crazy missions Uh, at at worst at at worst they're terrorists at best they're a militia 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and and mm-hmm. by their own words, they're freedom fighters. And that could mean so many different bad and good things across so many conflicts. So people love to be the underdog. And I think that that would key in on a real, like some of the modern, mo- some of the more modern, like shitty things are coming to new Texas and uh homeboy is trying to stop them and preserve some of the beauty of the land or something like that. You know what I mean? He could get into some sort of overarching war with a big baron who's trying to bring some really deleterious fucked up mutant causing shit to the planet or, you know, something like that. I mean, if you are going to make like a, you know, a medium budget movie out of this, you can, you can really push some of the social commentary and it doesn't, you know, we don't need to make it woke because God knows if you go woke, you go broke. Oh, yeah. but, only, only a billion dollars <laughs> at a time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but no, I was going to say that the whole idea of like new Texas, you essentially just make, you know, it's like a planetoid. It's like an asteroid, like series out there. And it's basically the culture that all of those don't tread on me. Texans think they want like yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody's got guns. Everybody's suspicious of each other. Everybody's just trying to stake out as much land as possible and live by nobody else's rules. And of course it's an absolute hellhole. And so you've got, you've got this <laughs> sheriff type who comes from a, a communal background, right? Mm-hmm, who, who's, mm-hmm. who's bringing the ways of, of, some might even say communism, but at least a tribal solidarity mm-hmm. to this lawless outback and trying to civilize it, you know, one problem at a time. I think that mm-hmm. could be pretty dope. Dude, and that's the thing. That's the theme, baby. Dude, we're going to sell this fucking Brave Star thing. Because look, yeah. you, he is the one who civilizes them. And for them to be like, but wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. No, uh, what I'm trying to do is way more civilized than what you're doing. I love it. Send it up. It could be, it could be like Django unchained in space without the problematic white savior component of it. Right. Like it's just, it's you, you, you have the guy that everybody considers lower and lesser and hates and he's coming around to serve justice and he proves himself to be far smarter and more noble than all those so-called civilized people. That's the, that's the movie. Hey, we keep making blazing saddles. Who says you can't make blazing saddles anymore? (laughs) Who the fuck says? Who Uh, says? Idiots. That's who says. Only idiots say you can't make blazing saddles anymore. (laughs) Stupid fucking idiots. Because we just did it like twice. Um, (laughs) So what? What are? What's uh? Looking at maybe cartoons or 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 do you have any uh, other like sort of live action slash cartoon uh, old franchises that you might want to see us take away? The only the only thing about um. The only thing about the Phantom that I, I wanted to go back to because we kind of breezed past the Phantom, but the, my only concern with pushing it too far into like sci-fi future tech is like the Phantom could very quickly become Space Ghost, and like mm-hmm. if you're gonna adapt an old mm-hmm. cartoon franchise, just fucking do Space Ghost, dude. I thought about that earlier. Let's talk about it because honestly. I was listening to a uh, on Word Balloon, criminally mm. underfollowed channel. Uh, Jonathan Suntress, I do believe his name is. Um, yeah, uh, Greek name, I believe. Uh, yeah, I, I love I love how sometimes I talk like like white dudes used to talk in like the fifties. <laughs> like, I, I, what kind of white is he? He's a Polak or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they always have to identify what where uh-huh. the tribal lines are. Anyway, uh, John Suntress. Uh, fucking great interviewer gets great guests, uh, real press pass guy, criminally underfollowed. Um, 
YouTube channel called Word Balloon. He did an interview with Christopher Priest, one of like okay. my favorite guys, uh, famously known for revamping the uh, Black Panther and in- introducing the character of Everett K. Ross. Uh, he is one of the only people to sell something to DC and get it back, and then he's going to flip it again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's he's fucking brilliant. And he wrote one of the best stories ever, Spider-Man versus Wolverine, where Spider-Man and Wolverine have a spy adventure in Germany, and <laughs> Spider-Man oh, kills shit. somebody. <laughs> Dude. Wow. Fucking amazing, dude. You have to hunt that down. Spider-Man versus I, Wolverine. It's, it's on the app that will not be named. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I will definitely check that out. I did not dude, know that existed. Dude, I think it is. But the bottom line is Christopher Priest, great writer. He said something about like basically um, Vampirella has been arri- alive since forever. Like the, she's been mm. in continuous publication to the point where they're releasing a Vampirella 666 because they counted up all the time she's appeared. And that's roughly the amount of times that she's been published over the course of like 50 years of history. Right. It's like blew the fuck out of my mind. You know what I mean? Uh, so basically, but a character like that, you kind of think you know what the story is going into it. It's just going to be, you know, tits and fangs and bullshit, you know, and introducing, he wanted to introduce a whole new set of rules, you know, to Mm. Vampirella, even, you know, so in that spirit, I was going to think about one of these characters in that spirit. Is there a space ghost? Is that, I think you'd have to just think about what space you do your take on what fucking space ghost would be. Cause trying to parse out what the fuck that shit was, is ridiculous too hard completely i know i think that's what makes the character great is he is iconic everybody knows him to see him but nobody really knows what he's about like yeah he's Mm -hmm. just essentially some weird cross between superman and batman who flies around in space and has a bunch of gadgets but like Mm -hmm. if you put a kick-ass story on top of that you would have a hell of a movie the only thing that that comes to mind for me is like I think it was IDW may have been Boom, but one of those smaller companies was publishing an, a Space Ghost ongoing a few years back, and those motherfuckers gave him the darkest, most brutal backstory where like his wife and infant child are murdered, and he <laughs> like he he like goes full Obi Wan Kenobi living in a cave until he. Like, oh, he's it was basically you know what it was? It was basically a complete ripoff of the Ridley Scott gladiator story where he Mm. was like he was like a general in this, you know, interstellar army and they thought they killed him, but they left him alive, but they killed his family. And so he trains himself back to health. And that's why he's space ghost because they thought he was dead. And then he just goes (laughs) on a fucking murder spree, like across this empire. And I read this and I'm like, guys, come like, it is not the nineties anymore. You do not need to grim and gritty up space ghosts. Like, what are we doing? Um, Along those lines, though, let's look at that. I mean, I think of, okay, in your space ghost, without going grim dark like that and without doing something like exactly like Nexus, right? Nexus right. is about a guy who flies through space, energy-based powers, uh, has headaches when he doesn't kill bad people. Like if bad people are around and his psychic rapport senses them, he has to go kill them or else he's going to get headaches that could kill him. And he has to like, I think, regenerate in like a field or a pool or something at his crib like a lazarus pit sort of thing where he's like calm in there anyway yeah really troubled character and a straight up murderer so if you're not going to play with those poles what would you do in regards to a a space ghosty thing i mean i think you need to you need to define like what is 
what is the the world of the story? Because I think in in the Space Ghost cartoon, it was one of those great, you know, kids' cartoons of the 70s where it was just taken for granted, like, oh yeah, there's aliens out there, and a lot of them are bad guys. And so he's a good guy and he's gonna stop the bad aliens. Like he may as well have been Brave Star, um, mm-hmm. just you know, with different gadgets. Um, or like or like Space Ghost the Alien Hunter. I mean, if we're gonna be Yeah, I I, I mean that's that's the thing, like I don't know that you would want to go so far as to create like a Star Wars style. Yeah, he's, you know, he's in the middle of some kind of war. I think it is better if he's more just like a self-motivated, um, you know, more of like a traditional superhero than having to be like yeah. a freedom fighter or something like that. But th- the thing that comes to mind, so Space Ghost was always palling around with like a couple of kids and a monkey. And, yes. <laughs> you know, um how do you make that work? I think might be the key to like unlocking what make what could make a kick-ass space ghost movie. Like how could you actually get a couple of kids in, you know, some futuristic space suits. And I don't know if that's because, you know, it, it, it gets a little complicated because it's like, do you want, do you want to do space ghost versus child traffickers? Cause that sounds really dark, but then you also think about the fact that like Anakin Skywalker in the phantom menace was technically a child slave. And like that was mm-hmm. still ostensibly made for kids. So yeah. is it, you know, is it just as simple as like space ghost is some kind of like urban legend for like the orphans of, you know, the star system and, his whole thing is like he's coming around and freeing kids from like the Fagans to, you know, to quote an Oliver twist character. Well, I mean, um, if we were trying to sell something and selling something involves doing a bunch of derivative shit, I don't know if anybody's mm-hmm. heard of that, but like, it's pretty true. <laughs> so I'm thinking, what about classic old Zorro on some level? You know what I'm saying? Like mm. somebody either, Somebody, this is this would be my twist if I was to think of this idea. Somebody in the law enforcement of a world where the space ghost is wrecking havoc and being sort of you know doing doing hot superhero shit, and they're like, "Fuck that, we need to stop the space ghost." Kind of like how Commissioner Gordon and them should be for the most part, at least paying lip service to trying to find the Batman because he is a is fucking vigilante. So like mm-hmm. space ghost, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, this person in law enforcement or this street beggar or something to go back to the Zorro, and that tips what I'm about to say. But space ghost is dying. Space ghost has been run through by a space laser and he's got his equipment is shorting out and he's and you see him and you take him in and his last will and testament is on you, this person. And you mm. get to be space ghost and you have to figure out like, and he's got his lessons and shit about like mystique and shit, you know, yeah. that he has, you know, and, and all the whole point is you have to keep up his, his shit because he was on the verge of doing something dope and they got him and it's yeah. like on you to like complete it. And like, for some reason, like I said, you're in law enforcement, you're a soldier that was on the squad to hunt him or whatever. Some about you makes you pretty dope if you were to apply yourself in this way. And again, super derivative, but Hey, Come on, man. You know, like, well, to be, I mean, to be honest with you, that's also kind of phantomizing Space Ghost is turning him more into like a legacy. You know what I mean? That is is true. Which I'm down with because, like we said, Space Ghost is much cooler than the Phantom. So, like, just 
steal the phantom steez and put it on space ghost like why not yeah yeah absolutely and even <laughs> if you don't do something like that the bottom line is that the the space ghost mystique of him being a ghost they got that part right with their weird brutal uh thing the yeah. the, the, the ghost part he's a ghost unto himself but again space ghost like he this guy was a space ghost and not a motherfucker is actual ghost and you're taking up his back it's just that i think that was part of it too that made me think of that I think one other thing that you got to remember is like Space Ghost Coast to Coast was really huge. And and I think a lot of people, at least of our age, yeah. will see will see Space Ghost and assume some sort of comedy. And I don't think it would be a bad thing to lean into that either. And I don't, oh, yeah. you know, I don't know that you make it slapsticky, but like if you make Space Ghost kind of wisecracking, or if like you make the new Space Ghost in your iteration of it kind of a dope and it's like he's got it like he's in no way cut out for this and so right. that makes him it makes his personality similar to the space ghost who hosted coast to coast okay like, that's that tight yeah twist. if yeah flip it yeah the fuck it the i love the comedy version so let's go there yeah somebody with just the he's like an intuitive like tech guy but not a tough guy and he gets all this tough guys toys and he's got his hey buddy uh what's going on over there personality yeah, yeah. i could i could totally see it's, that and we could do the grim dark the grim dark gets killed 100 the message of the story grim dark gets killed light happy good good guy who who also rescues these kids in the end like i think maybe one kid is like an orphan or something or like a hard scrabble little fucker maybe that's the girl and the boy is like a little effete little punk ass that he saves from like being in the villains employee or something like that. And those are his kids at the end. And then one of them has a fuck a pet monkey. I don't know. Right. Right. No, but, but I think, I think that is the way to go with it where it's like, you know, it, it's a classic setup, but I think you could get some, some mileage out of it where it's like the kids are like, dude, you're a fucking terrible superhero. It's <laughs> like, I'm trying my best, you know? And I, I just see that like, in the first act or, or, you know, the inciting incident where the, the really, you know, hardened space ghost lands and he's that he's like the classic TV version. Like you have to carry on my legacy. And this guy's more of the, the, like, what the hell does that mean? You know, like he, yeah, he, yeah. it's almost like the voices of the two different space ghosts yeah, yeah. are reflected in the character. Dude. And, and this is another candidate for like a big ass, like adult swim movie. I think yeah. that'd be the perfect way to do that. Just and just like basically, you poach three or four people from the Venture Brothers, us, and like uh, <laughs> you know, combine a couple little studios to make this sort of slick, but very much an homage to that old style, like that, but just the tiniest bit slicker, just tiny. If if you could take like Alex Toth artwork and animate it you know now that now that sony's doing all this shit with um spider-verse and mm -hmm. i guess it was paramount that did the new ninja turtles like now that we're experimenting with all these all these art styles like give me an alex toth animated because that's essentially what it was back in the day it was just low budget and shitty so yeah. can you take those classic designs, mm -hmm. sharpen them up? I mean, I don't care. Put them, put them in 3D. Give me something that looks like Spider-Verse even just mm -hmm. with character designs in the style of Alex Toth. Dude, I think that least, would be dope. Yeah, and at least in consultant roles, people like... Um, Doc Shaner is a guy who does yes, awesome kind of Toth yes. homages. And I believe he worked on some Space Ghost books. Yeah. Um, 
But the other oh, thing Steve that comes Rude. to that's what I was gonna say. Oh, Steve fuck Rude. yeah! I mean, okay, Steve, Steve Rude is the Rude. Nexus guy, of course. Yeah, yeah. So Steve Rude would have to be involved as well. You'd, ha- I mean, I think to get Steve Rude to work on it, you'd have to promise him that you're also gonna make a Nexus pilot because he's been trying to do that for twenty years. All right, we'll 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 say that we're not gonna do it, but we'll definitely say that. <laughs> oh, you've got the heart of an executive, Ed. That's, uh, Dude, that's coming out of you. I'm practicing. <laughs> I'm trying to win. God damn it. No, you know what else would be dope, though, is like if you are going to make sort of a slick, you know, you make like an $85 million animated movie of Space Ghost and you use kind of those square jawed Alex Toth designs, you know, Bruce Timm style. But then you can make Space Ghost's costume exactly as Alex Ross paints it which is just beautiful where when space ghost goes invisible, cause that's one of his powers, you know, he just becomes this kind of slick, like light blue highlight where it's like, he's there, but he's not there. And then otherwise he's got that all white costume and Alex Ross essentially draw uh, paints it as like photoluminescent, like bioluminescent almost where it's like, mm. he's just this walking slab of white light Almost like uh, like Marlon Brando on Krypton in the original Superman yeah. movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't think you could really get away with that in live action. You'd it'd end up looking like the the computer generated Green Lantern suit, but that shit would be awesome animated. Yeah, that would be sick, dude. That is sick. All right, so now I think we should get to some of these things that have lain dormant. Um, I'll do one that's just super left field. That's just dumb uh, okay. because the aesthetics of it are too hard, but the next one I think we should talk about is a, you know, a a big classic. So I, you know what? I'm going to call an audible. Why the fuck can't GI Joe work? God damn it. Literally, literally. Why does it always suck? Why can't they do it? Dude, for real. We even had a hell of a time on the rebooted three things. We rebooted just for you guys to know we did he man and we fucking killed it. It's basically the Barbie movie two years before the motherfucker came out. Um, and we did uh, we did a few things that were like super uh, adventurous, like Terminator. Our reboot of Terminator was fucking classic, dude. And right. we did a, a Men in Black reboot that was uh, sick as fuck, actually, if you can mm-hmm. believe that. You know, mm-hmm. so like we've we've done some of these things, but like <sighs> we had a hell of a time on that GI Joe episode, bro. I'm talking about a hell of a time. I think I think the thing. And if I'm remembering correctly, this is what also stymied us when we were doing it is like there's absolutely everything right with the idea of like we're going to put together a ragtag team of soldiers who play by their own rules and they all have like gimmicks and personalities that like are the opposite of what you think of when you think of soldiers. It's like gathering the team in Armageddon, right? Mm -hmm. Like. You just got all those guys and you bring them together for a mission. Like that's cool as hell. But then you're stuck in this place where if you don't lean into like geopolitics of like, Hey, they are an army. And if they're not an army, they're a private army, which is even more problematic. Mm -hmm. And they have to fight an enemy. You know, it's sort of like that top gun Maverick thing where it's like, well, you know, are we past the idea of like just villainizing an entire other country? And it's not an entire other country. It's Cobra and Cobra's terrorists. But usually terrorists are terrorists because they have some sort of like real deep motive, like 
like ideal ideals and motivations Mm -hmm. and it's not just we want to be evil Mm -hmm. um or if you don't want to get into actually explaining and exploring all that stuff you're just left with this cartoonish like lunk lunk of lead i guess what i'm saying is it's so obvious and cartoonish it lands like a lead balloon because it's like Mm -hmm. These guys that are cool are the good guys, and these guys that suck are the bad guys, and they're gonna fight each other. And that's dude, the movie, you know? Dude, I and and see, and this is where the shit is fucked up because part of me thinks that what they have had been doing in these recent movies, like that pretty execrable uh Snake Eyes movie, they mm. were planting the seeds that basically the Baroness and Scarlet and some of this stuff harkens back to Larry Hama's work, obviously. But just basically that the, the Baroness and Scarlet and Duke and this one and that one, they're all just like these guys who are just like hyper competent, super dope soldiers who happen to know each other in sort of a John Wicky and underground fashion. Mm-hmm. And as they get older and geopolitics change or whatever, some of them go Cobra and some of them go Joe. But like in the middle of us talking just now, I realized why G.I. Joe was fucking doomed because the way to do G.I. Joe is thusly. Fucking G.I. Joe is like the triple frontier in Netflix, right? That movie mm. Triple Frontier. A bunch of fuckers that were hard on their hard up on their luck using their specific skills for a specific job. Now, in this milieu, it would be the same old saw basically of a guy gathering up a team of people that he he or she trusts to execute some mission that even the government can't do. There isn't in this world, there's no impossible mission force that's always going to be able to fly down the chimney and beat up bin Laden and take the nuclear weapon out of his hand or whatever, like they do in all the other soldier movies. This world doesn't have that. This is what these guys are. And their resources are uber limited. They got one fresh ass jet that one of them stole. They got a couple fucking Jeeps. They got a bunch of ammunition because one of them knew in a secret fucking ammo base that was defunded or whatever the fuck and they they got all this fucking ammo and they got some super weapons from like you know like stealing shit and being you know doing their little missions and shit like i i I liberated this little baby from uh caisson in 2005 whatever the fuck they have all these they have enough equipment to be cool but basically it's their individual weirdo skills this guy's literally physically unstoppable. For some reason, we have soldiering situations where his physical unstoppability does this. This guy's supercomputers. This chick is a ninja. That guy's a, a ninja slash astronaut. Whatever the fuck. Their particular set of skills, much in a in Mission Impossible way, conglomerate to have them have this specific adventure to stop this specific terroristic threat. And that's what it should be. But that's not toyetic. Toys require fleets of jets, bunches of tanks, Bunches of guns, bunches of stuff, though they'll never do anything like that, which really emphasize the characters like their Mm. character is what makes them G.I. Joe. They're not part of some organization. You don't get led down into the bowels of G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe is anywhere they need to be. That's the fucking point. Yeah, I think I think the, the, the other problem with what you're describing as like this is the ideal G.I. Joe movie. You're right. It's not toyetic. And also you're essentially just describing Mission Impossible movies, Fast and Furious movies. The Expendables. The Expendables. (laughs) The Expendables. I mean, literally any number of other action franchises that have already Mm. worn that trope into the ground. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's super true. I just feel like of all of the ones, though, 
Look at what pale imitations they are of G.I. Joe. I'm sorry, Ethan Hunt does not have a ninja, a guy with a bazooka and a dog, a rapping guy who carries an M60 like a sidearm. I'm sorry, these guys are more interesting than all of those guys. Just fucking put that on the fucking screen and make yeah. up an adventure where you need a fucking ninja and a rapping uh, black dude and a goddamn uh, a munitions expert and a hot bitch with a crossbow and a- another bitch that throws javelins. Like, literally do the work, figure out a, 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 an adventure where you can use these characters that are so cool. They try to make the losers, for Christ's sake. You're telling yeah. me the losers is more lucrative than fucking G.I. Joe? I just think if you stripped it down, you could do a lot of work. But like we just said, stripping it down is not toyetic. And when you do a toyetic version, it's just, like you said, a a low-key private army that's better than regular soldiers fighting a bunch of terrorists who have no ideals. So that sucks ass. No, it really does. And I think that that's that's something that the 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 cartoon could very easily ignore right because your target audience is eight-year-olds and really mm-hmm. the fact that you're an army is just an excuse to have all those kick-ass vehicles and weapons and, and all that shit that as a kid you're like oh man i want that mm-hmm. you know it, it's just like if you if you look at it with even like a teenager's sense of of seriousness it becomes really uncomfortable it's just like yeah. Oh, so they're like mercenaries. I, yeah. I, I don't know what to do with GI Joe. That's one. If you're listening to this and you have any idea what to do with GI Joe, drop us a line at email, <laughs> the greatest pod at gmail.com, because we would love to hear somebody's suggestion for something out of the box. We're usually pretty good at this. And this is one that like has historically stymied us. Dude, it's too difficult. I mean, I think in our G.I. Joe reboot, we had it be like sort of a Dark Knight Returns with fucking G.I. Joe's. Like, Which, by the way, I do think do. I do think that. worked. Yeah, because like we essentially said, all right, all the G.I. Joe characters and action that you loved happened, but it all happened in the 80s during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And Cobra was essentially like a mercenary force that was hired by everybody from like the Sandinistas to the Mujahideen to Russia to just try to like destroy America. And then we pick the story up in the modern day and like GI Joe is, is was essentially this army unit that's been disbanded for 30 years and we give them an excuse to get back together. So it's exactly what you just said. It's like, it's this super cool, get the band together and like, for this one ride or die mission. And then they pull all of their old tech out of mothballs. And so now it's like, they're all toyed up as well. Which, yes. You know, that, that was smart, dude. We did the toyetic yeah. and the fucking uh, old school thing that I was talking about. It's, it's very much like, like I said, just you, you, um, I don't know these guys with unique resources because they've been like, they know where a hundred snake rifles, like these rifles that turn people into snakes, like that Rick and Morty bit. They know yeah. where those are because they had an adventure in 19 fucking uh, 84. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> they they know where all these weird weapon caches are. Like, ah, most of these don't work. Boom. Well, this one does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's like, also they, there's also something that just works in, in especially in film where it's like, look, if something's just buried underground or stashed in an old warehouse, you stop caring where it came from. You just assume, okay, there yep. was a whole. There's a whole thing that happened, and that's where that came from, and I don't need to worry about it, and that's why mm-hmm. it's there now. You know, fuck yeah. 
Well, yeah. uh, speaking of things that have been put away in mothballs, I Uh-oh. think it, it's it's time for us to round the bin and start talking about some of the big ones. Um, first of all, do you have one that you're just like, okay, dude, this is serious business. This deserves it. Well, I mean, you and I talked about it off air, but the one that I think we're both raring to get to is is Thundercats. Oh, yeah. Well, let's fucking do it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Thundercats notoriously has a great aesthetic. Before I let you uh, rock out, all I would say is, I if you're going to do animated, I would say, it, if, if you're going to do animated, I would say it'd be pretty cool to just sort of... I don't know, do it exactly like the opening. Like yes. I hate to be those those type of fans, but like honestly, that opening, that style, that number of lines, that hand drawn uh, at least looking aesthetic, just the beautiful fades, that sort of old school like 80s anime glow and patina to certain scenes, the way that they moved I, it was just beautiful and doing an animated movie more or less in that style, maybe with a tiny bit of modernization or spider versalization. Boy, I don't think you could go wrong with that. You just have to make an okay to mediocre story and do that art style. I think you'd win. Well, I was going to say, you know, Netflix has really been going all in on sort of these modern anime. Uh, not, I mean, obviously there's tons of modern anime, I guess. Netflix is funding anime from some of these top studios in Japan that is turning out pretty amazing. Um, and I'm not an anime guy, so I, I have not watched a lot of it, but I know that like stuff like Blue Eye Samurai, which is, you know, very great, a lot of graphic violence. It's really made for adults, um, but it's also super beautiful and like really well animated. Yeah, just fucking give Thundercats to the most badass one or two anime studios you can find and just tell them to go nuts because like that's what the sh- that's what the material demands i think what's interesting about um the whole thundercat phenomenon is like obviously they have a great look every single iteration of them they've had a great look and back in the days they sort of came to the planet they were these cat people who kind of took over and all the rest of the people were just obeying them and shit and just sort of treated them like royalty and then occasionally would quarrel with them because they were wrong you're like not the thundercats but like most of the time the thundercats weren't wrong sometimes they would trample on some little people and they'd be like ah we shouldn't stomp on these little people we, we should think more you know there'd be a little bit of that but for the most part they were fighting for the heart of a world against somebody who was like born there like mumra and them were bad guys i guess but they were at least fucking born of of that world and these other cats yeah. come from outer space and start fucking with them. It's like they were low-key the bad guys. So like the new reboot tried to address that where it was just like, oh, why do the cats get to run stuff? Why don't the lizards? Why don't the lizard? Why can't we have a lizard mayor? You know, whatever the fuck. Where's right, the right, right. of lizards? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, they did that little bit of that in the new reboot. So let's gloss past all of that stuff. What would what would we as us as a unit mess with? Dude, I like the idea, especially for a movie. I like the idea that the Thundercats are stranded on an essentially deserted planet. And it's not just like, well, I guess this is. And and look, I know that this is against canon or whatever. I don't know how preciously people take Thundercats canon. Oh, we're going to get letters. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But for me, connecting back to like my childhood love of Thundercats, I I never paid a single thought to like the power dynamics of them 
on this alien planet and what that meant. I always connected to the idea of like, holy shit, they're stranded. You know, their ship crashed and they mm -hmm. can't get off this planet. And like to me, I think a, a kick-ass Thundercats might have an element of weirdly, it's coming up for a second time in this in this episode, the movie 65 in it, that Adam Driver mm -hmm. movie where it's like he gets stranded on essentially prehistoric earth and has to fight a bunch of dinosaurs. But it's like, what if an what if you know this alien royal family, for lack of a better way to put it, put it, gets stranded on like an alien hell planet and has to fight a bunch of monsters? Um, you know, I, I would also be interested in fleshing out like what exactly is Mum Ra and like what's his whole bag. But if he's just like this this wicked timeless necromancer that maybe has even been exiled to this planet and in his boredom or in his desperation to get back to populated worlds, he is like uplifted, you know, creatures from the swamps into, you know, monsters that do his bidding. And like the fact that the Thundercats land there he wants to essentially commandeer their ship and use it to get off planet and strand them there permanently the same way he's been. And so it's like, it's both a battle with this, you know, horrible demonic magical force and a battle to like get off the planet in like 65 or even the Martian style, because like if they stay here, they're going to die. I think that would be dope as shit. And it, it, and it gets you away from just the kind of episodic nature of like, well, we're just a little family here on this planet. And like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't really connect to that. I think because the Thundercats have this aesthetic of being like fucking awesome ninja cat people with super cool weapons that can kick some ass like they there has to be more of an immediacy to what it is to what they're getting into. It has to be like life or death, let's fucking go throttle down from the beginning. And I think you would get that if it's like we are Lionel is the king and it's an interstellar war. And like he they're trying to 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 spirit him to safety to get away from whoever their enemies are, and they crash land on this planet, and it just so happens to be where this ancient necromancer who at one point ruled the galaxy has been exiled forever. And you play Mumra. I mean, you could play Mumra like the fucking emperor in episode nine of star Wars, where he's ju just this fucked up, like barely alive husk. And, but as he gets more power, it's like mm -hmm. he turns more and more into the thing, you know, the, the same way that the, the series did, which again was always just, stupid as shit in the power rangers way of like well if you could grow as big of a city and just stomp them out like why not do that from the beginning it's like mum ra is always shambling around in his fucking bandages and then at the end of the episode he gets all big and huge and powerful like make that the story of the movie yeah yeah how he gets big and powerful i was also thinking that even if you wanted to like science it up which i'm want to do mm -hmm. but necromancer means a lot of stuff and i'm not saying he'd be like a nanotech being or something like that i'm not going that much but like if he was sort of this evil messed up thing that and again maybe this is borrowing from superman but mm -hmm. 
what if an evil necrotizing uh, zombification or mutation virus being came to Thundera and mm. fucked it all up? And so we got our, our royal family basically being like a royal family, let's say, and a fleet of other ships of people that they wanted to save. But the monster has grown so big, it's like grabbing them out of the fucking upper atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, yeah. oh, fuck, it's eating the planet. This is so cartoony and fucked up. And a little bit of that space jizz shoots up and bur- a lot of it burns up, leaving atmosphere. But it catches the edge of their ship as it goes into hyper warp or whatever. And it instantly starts necrotizing and fucking up their systems and shit. It's like, ah, oh, man, it looks like we got some problems with our navigation. And next thing you know, they go into Buck Rogers zone. They, they fucking crash land somewhere fucked up. And the thing like is maybe even injured in the crash and it slinks off to go lick its wounds. But it's becoming Mumra, the whole rest of the thing, to the point where it's like gathering up animals to try to get a body, to get even a little bandagey body and gathering up little forces and just doing different stuff and lending a little bit of itself here to like put a little touch of itself in somebody. If you want to do that or if you just wanted to keep a story style, the bottom line is Mumra, even if he doesn't get some legion of people, his ability to mess with the flora and fauna of that world and this attempt to get strong enough to kill Lionel, which is what its mission was, to kill Lionel, to kill the whole Thundera, to kill that family for whatever reason. I don't even have a reason. He's the doomsday of Thundera and his mission must be accomplished and that's killing this whole royal family. you know. And he he kills Jaga. Fuck it. Jaga makes it pre-inclined he makes it to the planet and gets fucking killed and that's going to lead them to disarray what if what if you know mumra is just some sort well not fuck now we're going to get into super mario brothers bob hoskins movie but like (laughs) what if their planet just develops some kind of like cancerous you know plague that is just going to kill everybody. You know, it's it's like the like the fungus in that Bob Hoskins Mario movie. <laughs> and and so like they're ev- they're literally evacuating the planet and they're not only going to evacuate the planet but like they're going to destroy their own planet to make sure that this thing doesn't spread throughout the galaxy. And mm-hmm. so it's you know, you 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 almost kind of invert the superman thing so it's not that you know their planet was going to be destroyed anyway and they were too you know blind to see it it's like no their planet was turning into some sort of like conscious lumbering cancer you know intelligence and so they're going to move everybody off planet and then collapse into a black hole or something but it's you know sam raimi horror style whatever that thing is despite all their precautions part of it got into the fleet. And so you get this, you know, what was supposed to be sort of this epic, tragic, but ultimately peaceful, you know, uh, evacuation of the planet turns into this horrible thing where now all the ships are crashing into each other and they're losing millions of people into space. And like Mm -hmm. the, you know, Panthro's piloting the ship with the Royal family. And like, he's got to put on some sick moves just to like get out as like the entire civilization is collapsing around them. And then, yeah, they get, they think they get clear. They crash on this other planet. Um, and it just so happens that some of the Mumra, whatever the fuck it is comes Mm. with them. And maybe it even, maybe whatever that thing is infects 
a mummified corpse of dude, I was thinking that too. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like a of a local thing. thing. Yeah. 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 A dude on that world that was like uh like the the Genghis Khan of that world. It's almost like <laughs> going back to G.I. Joe where they had that stupid ass episode where they went around, they were like, they got Genghis Khan and Jack the Ripper and fucking Pol Pot DNA and they all put it in some <laughs> j- jizz jizz <laughs> centrifuge of yeah. DNA and they made some pintor out of it and Genghis Khan juice and whatever. Ah <laughs> oh, man, that's funny as hell. Dude, that's also like that movie Virtuosity with uh <laughs> With, yeah. with fucking Russell Crowe. <laughs> like, oh, he's just a compilation of every serial killer's brainwaves. <laughs> and even ones that suck, like, oh yeah, Charles Manson's in there, so he could give some dumb speeches and make people right. write inaccurate graffiti slang on walls so everybody knows that, exactly. you know, a certain demographic did not do this heinous fucking crime. Yeah, dude. But, that, that's I, I mean, what if, it, what if it even is, like, there's a fucking zombie virus on Thundera and all their dead are coming back to life and eating the brains of the living. And so it's literally like we we have to evacuate. And you could, you know, you could sci-fi that up a little bit and turn it into whatever you want. But it's like that's why they evacuate the planet. And then they're going to nuke the planet. But, oh, shit, some of the zombies are in the fleet. And now, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like and so it just becomes like what they they're great. They caused their greatest fear. Like they were willing to destroy their own planet to make sure that this evil was not released into the universe. Mm -hmm. And yet in so doing, and this could be um, Lino's dad made the decision and maybe he's even the one who's carrying the zombie virus or whatever, when they crash. And so then that starts to spread on this new planet and the worst possible thing could happen is like it reanimates the corpse of their Genghis Khan who, you know, he's like mm-hmm. a, they, they, we will never utter his name amongst the populace. And so mm-hmm. not only is now this shambling corpse alive again, but like he's zombifying that planet and he has his sights set on moving to other planets. And so now the Thundercats are in this impossible situation where it's like, well, we don't want to be responsible and especially Lino, right? Like Lino's just a younger dude and his dad is now dead. And now it's on him. Like, am I going to have to order essentially the genocide of an entire planet? Because like, we Mm -hmm. don't want this to spread. And if I don't, does that mean that I'm going to let it spread? Like, I like that. I like that. Again, it's, it's that immediate sort of like, Oh shit. Like shit is going down. And the thing is, they don't, I, in my conception of it, um, which is like 98, 99% of what yours is right now, this is fucking great. I think they don't have the power to do a genocide. I think they land. Oh, yeah. They got nunchucks. The ship's all fucked up. It's in, it's right. been strewn across three continents. You know what I'm saying? Three three time zones worth of parts all, all around, which is an eternal quest. For them yeah. to kind of grab up their shit back together, put it back together. Panthro, it's one of the reasons why Panthro goes off by himself so much. He does these ill-ass missions for like cool-ass solo episodes where he's <laughs> way the fuck out away from them, trying to grab up a big piece of machinery for them to fucking little, put the shit back together, activate a beacon to do something, something. You know what I mean? Well, it's a little bit like that uh, Max show that just came out, Scavenger's Reign, about mm. like it's it's a crew. It's a, it's essentially a crew of of a spaceship that gets stranded on an alien planet and they're scattered about and they're all trying to get back together so that um, they can reactivate like a, a rescue beacon on their, we don't have to, we don't have to, you know, 
ape that, but just that that yeah, setup yeah. of like, yeah, because they're scattered all over, they're all encountering like all kinds of different wild shit. And not that we want to separate the Thundercats, but like just that sort of vibe that that show has where they don't know the flora and fauna and weather and whatever else of this world. And just going to try to locate your flux capacitor or whatever is going to be some crazy ass thing that you've never experienced before. Well, also like those episodes where like um, there was an episode where uh, Lionel had to like get some component that had fallen or something. And he goes and there's this giant caveman there and the caveman challenges him to like an arm wrestling match or something. And he has to win to get this component back. And it's like, a, it's a really important thing because something's going to happen anyway. Not that stupid, but basically what if in their crash, they don't even really crash crash their shit breaks up in like upper atmosphere. And they're like either in pods that also come apart and basically just sure. flying willy nilly and they get dispersed across like a continent. So it's sure. like the first episode or whatever, or the first movie is them sort of uh, getting half of it at least. If it's an episode, it's the whole episode. If it's a movie, it's, it's a third to half of the movie of them dropped off at different environments. And we get to see their individual super dope skills as they deal with the flora and fauna. Uh, Panthro might fuck up some creatures that he meets. Tigra might uh, uh, evade them with his invisibility. The the Wily Cat and Wily Kids are having fucking hijinks and just barely getting out, throwing bombs up Triceratops asses or whatever. You know what I'm saying? They're they're doing all this this chicanery to let you know who these characters are. We didn't have a bunch of time. We don't. I don't want to force a fucking danger room scene into the last moments of Thundera. You know what I'm saying? One hundred percent. Yeah. We got to do something to show their individual abilities and skills. So maybe that's it. The stranding and the trying to get back together. And 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 the big point of the stranding is Lionel has to find the fucking sword of omens. It came off his belt. Something happened. He lost. Dude, his planet is dead. His father is dead. He saw his the father necrotized before his father used his last moments to blow him out the airlock or whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm even thinking that like maybe maybe they're all in a pod together and the reason they all get scattered is because they realize that that the father is, is necrotizing. And so yeah. maybe even Lino has to make the decision yeah. to press the button and they all get flung apart. Yeah. You know, something yeah. like that. Fuck yeah. And so in that process, he tries mightily to hold on to the sword of omens, but it gets lost, but he does have obviously an ability to find it either from his super mental abilities and his bond with the sword or a simple tracking device. Either way, once he tracks the fucking thing down, it is in the biggest nest of fucked up shit. And this is where we know that Lionel is that dude because he has to do some incredible shit just to get the sword. And once he gets the sword, he shines the fucking light and the people are able to see the thing. And that's what brings his clan together. And you get the classic moment. 100%. Um, I mean, yes to all that. I also think there's something to be said for if the sword of omens. So, is it is Jaga the the father? Is he's Lino's dad? Uh, he's like either Lino's dad or his grandpa. I don't really. Yeah, remember. I, I, I bet you it's I bet you it's dad for the purposes of this shit. Yeah, well, I, we'll just we won't name him. But like, so if Lino's dad is getting zombified and Lino has to hit the 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 escape, you know, the the whatever hatch, and so now they're scattered across the 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 uh, the landscape. If the dad has the sword of omens, that's Lino's first thing is to, I have to, you know, I need the sword of omens, but my zombie dad is going to have it. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of a way for them to cross Mumra where it's like, 
Lino has to essentially steal the Sword of Omens from Mum-Ra because it's this, the sword is this mystical item. It's also the symbol of their people. And like as the necrotizing fasciitis, whatever, whatever we're calling it, infects this uh, this ruler. Well, what if what if what if I don't know what yeah. if Jaga and what well, who we're calling Jaga this older Thundercat yeah. Jaga is so fucked up from his body being basically he doesn't they spacesuit up real quick or something the bottom line is they're equipped to be blown out and be okay he's yeah. not and he gets his body is super fucked up but the necrotization shit keeps him just alive enough to where when he crawls up to this weird super grave inside of a mountain or whatever and he right. bonds with the fucking this super tomb he like pushes this giant rock back and there's this giant ornate atlantean tomb like the conan you know what i'm saying that big giant yes, god yeah. king and he bonds yeah. with that thing and he's got he's got a little bit of a tainted jaga's memory of knowing all the weaknesses and strengths of all the fucking thundercats but he's also got this evil guy inside of him which makes this yeah, almost third personality of the of the Mumra thing. And it's got like he's got this evil Genghis Khan personality, Jaga who feels wronged in his zombified brain. Like they tried to kill me. You know what I'm mm, saying? That they're, they're, they're yeah. fucking, you know what I'm saying? They're pieces of shit. They're not worthy of of, of being the successor of Thundera. I will be. Yes, we will be because we, you know, maybe not this whole we thing, but the whole thing is I will be the one to spread my seed around. Thunder Thundera thought that they were colonists and they were gonna spread their thunder seed all over the place but I'm going to do it with this necrotizing power, you know, all this shit. <laughs> I think that, I think that could work. Cause it's like that way. Mumra has like a way personal thing with the Thundercats. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, I, I, I do think that there's, there's something really good about, you know, essentially Lino's decision, um, creating Mumra and I think that mm-hmm. there's something really good to Lino having to directly reconcile with his father as well. Um, yeah, we would just need to figure out the specifics of like what that Mumra Jaga relationship or, yeah, or action yeah. looks like. Well, but, it's like maybe and maybe it's just like uh, like Jaga Jaga calls himself Mumra. He's like hey, Jaga is dead. It's like a fucking <laughs> Anakin Anakin situation where it's not like he's you know he's not confused. He's Mumra and Mumra is the is the dopest shit ever. You know, right, right. Uh, but the bottom line is that would be super sick. I think I think any sort of re- reconception of them that also and also last things last. I do think there have to be people on the planet, but the people have to be so dope that they could survive on this sixty five million, you know, sixty five ass yeah. planet. And I just think that those people, whether they be different animals, whether they be some sort of humanoid thing, whether they be some avatar sort of thing, which I would personally not like because that's what no. the arcane characters are. Um, I would like them to be some sort of thing that is like personally, I saw the anime version of this in my mind. I All what we've been talking, I've been reprocessing it with fucking anime tools in my head and mm-hmm. it would be that there'd be this super clan of super fresh ninjas who are barely getting along or they had a nice secret society and the Thundercats come bring this giant virus, fuck up their whole planet. And now, and start necrotizing their homies. It's like, we're going to kill these guys. And we would, we would have some people besides, you know, tyrannosaurs and giant fucking daffodils or whatever. We'd have some people for the Thundercats to show that they could fuck up. You know what I'm saying? And show and, and earn the respect of and earn the allyship of, 
You know what I'm saying? In this quest. Yeah. I think that there is a lot of mileage in the idea that like the Thundercats are from a totally different sort of technological age. And so they crash land on a planet and that planet is more, you know, swords and bows, bow and arrows. And, but you know, with a very alien twist and the Thundercats have blasters and, and, you know, spaceships and shit like that, that maybe these guys don't have, but the Thundercats are only five people and the natives there on the planet are like an overwhelming force. And so, yes, it's not that the Thundercats have to subdue them or kill them all or anything, but it's like they have to earn their trust and their allyship in trying to defeat Mumra. Yeah. And when those people get, if the super ninja clans that send their guys out to, to, that sent their guys out to fuck with Mumra, like number one, they're fucking mad because what, whatever it's called, Mumra is back. Like this ancient, like you said, the ancient evil that would never be named Voldemort, whatever. This yeah. motherfucker is back and he's got infecting people powers. This shit is so fucking bad. We, we had such a problem killing and burying that guy before because he was right. so super duper. And now he's got this extra shit. And, and that's why he was able to be maybe regenerated so strong or whatever because he was like this unbeatable super machine that even they forgot the technology of how to make or something. Anyway, the bottom line is Monroe was a bad motherfucker before he was dead. And now that he's super dead and can't be killed and has like seemingly magical or extra dimensional powers or something. I'm even willing to go there. Sure. Now it's like a big fuckaroonie and the and the fucking asshole Thundercats made this happen. This sucks. But if Mumra is able to infect those ninja guys, then we got the Thundercats being able to fight, fight basically inexhaustible armies of ninja guys and fuck them up with impunity and Hell do all yeah. this super fresh stuff. You know what I mean? So like, I think that if we're thinking about Toyetic and thinking about like making it, you know, a repeatable thing. Yeah. Uh, big squad of like, I'm talking about Ninja Scroll ninjas, like Kagero's homies running through the treetops and shit. And like the Thundercats are like, we could do that. We can play with these guys. We're in a world where these dudes are the highest of the food chain, and we can mm. play this game. We're mm-hmm. not just John Cartering, you know what I'm saying? Like, we can actually play this game. We're kind of made for this. I was, right. I was made for this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Thank you, Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I th- I think that could be the way to do Thundercats because like yeah, putting them in like sort of a foresty, savanna-y, and to a certain extent like cold Alpsy planet, like oh duh, a planet with different weather zones. But you know what I'm saying? Like a place yeah. where we can explore all the different ways of being a cat. You know? Yeah, and I I I think for me the um the bottom line is like you need to bring a little bit more urgency to the story than just like they are stranded on a planet and it turns out there's some bad guys there. You know what I mean? And I think that the whole thing about, you know, they're spreading this possibly supernatural, possibly natural, possibly extra dimensional, whatever sort of horrible virus thing. And then that bleeds into the evil that's on this planet. And it like, yeah, I I don't know. I I like all that. I think it works as a Thundercat setup. And also last things last, a big fat ship. I don't know how many survived, 
but a big fat ship of Thundercat people fucking survive. They're just way on the other side of the planet. We don't get them sure. to the end of the season or some some poignant moment. We get to find them. And it's like, oh, shit. You know, it's like Tigris already taken some kind of ninja lover and his girlfriend is on this ship over here. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was stranded on this planet alone. And uh, hey, Joyce. <laughs> Joyce, <Yeah>. Joyce <laughs> Tiger lady. <laughs> I mean, you need that. And you need the love triangle in an anime. Like, you need that. Uh, yeah. yeah, those complications. I think that is actually a really good sort of season break is like, oh, all you guys are here too. Ooh, right. And, the, yeah. and there's enough for them to cr- try to start a society or whatever. But again, they're cat interlopers who have right. brought a fucking literal super plague, a, a, a resurrection super plague to this planet, resurrected their their worst Hitler or whatever. And yeah. they're they're like not necessarily everybody's favorite buddies. So I think over the course of time, you know, they they earn more and more trust. But it'd be a real uphill battle, and there'd be wars on on all sides, uh, and there'd be palace intrigue and shit. Even some of the people that were uh, that were saved, some of the Thundercat people who are like peasants, for lack of a better word, or maybe even barons or whatever, they're like. This royal family is a bunch of fucking assholes. They blew up our <laughs> planet. They got us stranded totally. over here in fucking Zombievania. This is yeah. trash. They're the problem. If we kill them, negotiate some stuff with Mumra. They're like that dude in uh, uh, Die Hard, like, Booby. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is <laughs> <Bubby>. <laughs> hey, John, to get down here and, uh, <laughs> you know, they're. <laughs> They're trying to negotiate with a fucking a necrotic necromancing fucking ghost wizard. And yeah. they're they're like there could be some palace intrigue and there could be some like like Lionel taking a girl like lover or whatever who gets really close to him because she's about to be his wife and shit, but she's part of this weird insurgency that wants to you know what I mean? You could get as yeah, ill as no, you totally. want, honestly. I yeah, I say you could you kind of mentioned it. Give this to the studio that did Castlevania on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, just fucking watch the the positive reviews pour in. I I I think it's dope as shit. Yeah. Well, dude, we did it. And you know what? We didn't do. We didn't mm. try to make a serious He Man because we made the funny version of He Man on reboot it, and it's better than any serious version of He Man. I don't want to hear shit about it. One hundred thirty thousand percent. I agree with that. And if you disagree with us, but also love us. A way to show that would be a five-star review. Mm. That would be Look, super great. We read your reviews if you leave them. We said in one of our latest episodes, and I think that we need to hold ourselves to this, if you write in a review, we will not only read it, but we will read it in character in one of our many, many voices, including Ron's Nightwang voice. <laughs> um so we look forward to performing some future five-star reviews. You guys got to feed us in order to hear some of that stuff. So guys, thank you so much for sticking with us through this last year. You've been with us, a lot of you, four years, but some of you guys are new because uh, we've seen our numbers grow in recent times. And uh, I have to thank you for that. It really means that we're getting out there despite our somewhat chaotic schedule as I try to become a stand-up maven and Bill tries to produce shows and Ron tries to be the best he could be. We, we're we doing so much shit, but we're trying to keep up with this stuff too. And I just thank you guys for, for being there with us every step of the way and corresponding with us on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod. Uh, leaving comments still on Reboot It. Sometimes we'll see, get new comments on Reboot It, our YouTube channel. Uh, we have a greatest pod YouTube channel, which I want you guys to subscribe to. We have a Twitter at nerd goat podcast. 
where you know uh you can kind of look at the greatest pods greatest memes and we also have an instagram that is criminally under under uh, looked at uh, at the greatest pod on instagram so just please kind of avail yourself let's pump our social media numbers up a little bit so we look like some real boys yeah <laughs> that's the goal for 2024 you know yes uh, we promise to keep getting better and better rock and rolling and make better films and of course thank you for listening to a toyetic cartoonish resurrected episode of the greatest pop pop pop